name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. There's one question I'm wondering how many have actually asked ourselves, and that is, what does God want of us? We know what people tell us God wants of us, but what does He actually want of us? If we look at the concept of salvation, the incarnation, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all of that was about one thing. That was about setting us free. To have freedom. So basically the thing God wants of us is to be free. Which sounds a bit odd because that's almost like something he's giving us. But how many times have we actually thrown ourselves into servitude? Thrown ourselves into captivity? Thrown ourselves into a lack of freedom? Thrown our freedom away? 2 Peter 3.14 says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. The thing that binds us is our tarnished life. The fact that we don't live blameless. And that blame weighs on us. A lot of people misunderstand Christianity. And when you listen to many, many people who have turned away from the faith, they will say to you, because it, you know, Christianity is about blame. It's, it's you trying to make us feel bad about ourselves. You trying to make us feel like we've done things wrong. Whereas in actual fact, the message of our Lord Jesus Christ and Christianity is exactly the opposite. It is not by any means about blame. It's about the rejection, the doing away with blame. It's about taking that away, ridding ourselves of it. That's what it's about. That's what we need to do. Christianity is not about making you feel bad about yourself. It's about making you feel bad about a sin that you put away from yourself, so therefore you feel good about yourself. It is sanctification. It is, as St. Peter says here, being without spot and being blameless. God doesn't want us to walk around guilty. And, and as I've said to you before, guilt is something that is only good if it leads you to doing something about it. Guilt is only good if it makes you turn away from whatever it is that makes you feel guilty. But to have guilt constantly in your mind, constantly being in your psyche, feeling guilty about everything, that's actually quite destructive. It, it's about being in a building where the fire alarm is going off and not leaving the building. There is nothing more annoying than being in a building and the alarm goes off. People say, oh, it's just a test. Then you have to sit through it. Fire alarms are not meant to be sat through. They're not meant to be there aesthetically thinking, oh, wow, this is such a nice rhythm. This is, you know, this is very soothing. It is actually alarming, excuse the pun, it is alarming to the extent that it startles you and it says to you, get out. 
and you need to get out and hear it in the background. And the further away you walk from it, the more faint it becomes. Guilt is exactly the same way. Guilt is that annoying sound in our head where if you've got to sit through it, it, it paralyzes you. But what it needs for you to do is to walk away from whatever it is is causing the alarm. And that's why St. Peter says for us to be blameless, to be without spot. But sometimes we do half a job. Sometimes we do half a job. My office is a bit of a minefield, right? And, and piles of paper everywhere and, and stuff everywhere and files. And we are in the paperless era, but someone just hasn't told my office because there's still lots of paper in it. And you've got files here and files there and little knickknacks. And the most beautiful thing is people bring me little presents. If you've been to my office, what most of you have, you'd know. I've got these wonderful little presents everywhere, but they're all very personal, which means I can't touch any of them. I've actually moved something once. Someone came and said, where did you take that? The you know, thing I got you 15 years ago, it was right there. Where did you take it? So what I do when I get fed up with the clutter is I try to, to declutter. The problem is when you partially declutter, when you partially tidy, you never get the full feeling of it. You never get the full satisfaction. There's always a pile sitting over there. And you try to ignore it. You try not to look at it. Now, when, when you move into your own homes, those of you who are, haven't already, you will also realize there is, you know, when, when you're living simply in a room, there is a clutter pile. When you move into your own home, there is a clutter room. And when you walk into homes of young couples who've just gotten married, they'll say, yeah, this will be the baby's room. Realizing I'm not going to have a baby for the next four or five years, so it remains the clutter room. When we only partially declutter our lives, it's always there. It's always right there. And we just, we don't know what to do with it. The best thing to do with it is to close the door. Pretend like it's not there. But you know it is. Spiritually, exactly the same thing. If I just partially cleanse my life, if I become partially without blame, if I become partially without spot, it's not, it's not the right approach. And that's why we're warned in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 12, <clears throat> saying, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through the dry places, seeking rest, finds none. Then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And that's what sin does. Sin doesn't just walk away. Satan doesn't just walk away. You, you become very defiant and very strong, and you turn around and say, away with you, Satan. Go away. And he does. But not forever. He'll come back again. And that's one thing we sometimes do wrong. We will overcome a certain sin or a certain temptation and then just go back to it. Why do we go back to it? Because we haven't protected ourselves sufficiently. 
We haven't put up enough barriers. We haven't, we haven't been sufficiently drained of the poison that is there for us not to be affected by it. He said, I'll return to the house from which I came, and when he comes back, he finds it empty. Okay, I've decluttered, but I haven't filled it with the right things. When he does, he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. So that partial decluttering, and partial means that I just get rid of sin. You see, Christianity, again, is not just about the guilt and the blame. It's not just about not doing the right thing. It's about living righteously. It's not just about, I don't sin anymore. Not sinning is great. But am I living holiness? Because you know what? If I'm not walking backwards, that's great. But the fact that I'm not walking backwards doesn't mean I'm walking forwards. It just means I'm where I am. It just means I'm still here. And, and again, as I've told you in the past, when it comes to gravity, gravity pulls you down wherever you are. There's no such thing as something that just floats. Whatever is floating is still being dragged down to the ground. But it, it has an additional force upwards on it. So it's not just about me not doing the wrong thing. It's not just about me clearing out sin. It's about filling my life with righteousness and blessing. It's about doing the right thing. It's about making the right choices. It's about living holiness in the right way. St. Gregory the Great says, the more the heart of a sinner is consumed by the fire of love, the more fully is that rust of sin consumed. Which means that you're trying to clean up this rust of sin. It doesn't go away alone. The way you consume it fully is by having that fire of love in your life. And that love has to be for God and for His righteousness. Otherwise, it's just a hatred of sin. Again, a hatred of sin, a hatred of Satan is not sufficient. Christianity is not about hating. Even if it's just sin, even if it's Satan, hatred is not enough. To hate sin, to hate Satan and everything he does in our lives, it's fine. But what we need is to love. To love God and to love righteousness. There has to be a positive force. That's the misunderstanding of Christianity is it's about negativity. It's about getting rid of bad, getting rid of sin. It's about not doing the wrong thing. It's about guilt. All of these things that people, when you, know, when you read these tabloids or read the newspapers or look at all these things that tell you about lapsed Christians and why people leave the faith and why people leave the church, they always tell you, yes, I went to this school or that place or this situation. It made me feel guilt, 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 guilt. That's not the Christian message at all. The Christian message is a rejection of sin, but an acceptance of love and a desire for that love to be part of my life.
So, Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. And this is precisely what we're talking about again. If I'm just going to cleanse my heart of sin, that's great. That's perfect. But if God's word is not hidden in my heart, then what's going to fill it? You see, our hearts can't be empty. Our lives can't be empty. You can't have an empty life. You can't have an empty heart. You can't have an empty mind. Your mind, your heart, your life has to be filled by something. And that something is going to be what you open it up to and what you place in it. Or what's going to be placed in it for you. If we consume sin, if we consume evil, if we consume defilement, that's in my heart. But if I take the Word of God and bury it in my heart, it becomes a repellent to sin. It's inconsistent. The beauty of Christianity is that it hates inconsistency. That's why we're warned about being lukewarm. You can't be inconsistent. You can't say you hate sin without saying you love righteousness. You can't say you renounce Satan without saying you accept Christ. Otherwise the message just isn't complete. Christianity is not about what we are not. It is about what we are. Christianity is not about not being sinful. It's about being righteous. It's not about not being defiled. It's about being godly. It's not about not sinning. It's about living righteousness daily. So never ever assess your life based on negatives. Measure your life against positives, against proactivity, against action. Because if we leave ourselves and don't act, we're dragged backwards. And by being dragged backwards, we lose everything we've worked for. And it is such a frustrating feeling. It's such a frustrating feeling to have worked on something so much. And desired it and really made an effort to fight against a certain temptation or a certain weakness. And you do it and you're great and you go for it. It's a week and two weeks, three weeks. But the mere fact that it hasn't been replaced by something good means that we're going to inevitably fall back. It's like giving up junk food, but not eating anything at all. You're going to get hungry. The nature of our lives is we become hungry. Whether it's hungry for food, hungry for emotion, hungry for attention, hungry, hungry for lots of things. And if we don't fill ourselves with the right things, 
we're going to binge. So, so you, you fight against that bad, sinful feeling. Why do you think it is that, you know, for people younger than you in sort of younger relationships, why is there such a, a rebound into really horrible relationships? Because people say, no, 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 I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. And they try to live a good life and they try to fight against sinfulness, and they try to fight against defilement, and they try to fight against everything. But then because they haven't been filled by the love of God, they rebound straight back into the same situation. And they rebound harder than when they left. It's like an elastic effect. You run, 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 run. And because you haven't been set free, because you haven't been released, when you go back, it hurts. It hurts because your rebound is sometimes as strong as, if not even stronger than, the pace with which you ran away. Because you've had nothing to pin you down. But how do we reach that sense of righteousness and holiness? It's not easy. I mean, we all live in this world. I live in this world with you. We all live in this world. We're all battled against. We're all battled against. And defilement is in lots of different ways. It could be moral. It could be ethical. You know, your ethics can be challenged. What you say and how you say it and what you do at work, your work ethic can be challenged. Your, your morality can be challenged. All of these things can be challenged. But in actual fact, what is the measure, what helps us with that kind of life? And what helps us to be able to overcome? St. Ambrose says, Do not wonder when you read that God the Father said, I am a consuming fire, and again, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Don't wonder about those things. Because sometimes when, when we wonder, when we, we, we think about God being the consuming fire, then how could I possibly go against that? When he's speaking about being the fountain, how can I possibly reject that? He goes on to say, The Lord Jesus too, like a fire, inflamed the hearts of those who heard him. And like a fountain cooled them. So with that fire, he, he energizes us. He gives us the ability, as we read earlier, to have that, that fire that purges, that cleanses. But it's not just a cleansing that is harsh, it's a loving cleansing. It is to love someone so much that that love makes you hate whatever it is that stands in your way. To love someone so much that you hate anything that separates you from that person. And so if we have that love for God, that love for God makes us completely reject. And that's not just us. That's God working in us. That's the beauty of it. God doesn't want us to feel bad about ourselves. 
Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone and empowered the Samaritan woman. He wouldn't have gone and approached Zacchaeus. He wouldn't have protected the woman caught the adulteress. He wouldn't have gone to the lepers and healed them. He doesn't want us to feel bad. He actually wants us to feel good. Even Judas, even Judas, just before he went to betray him, he almost said to him, go do what you need to do. You've, you've chosen something other than me. Just go do what you need to do. I don't like it. I'm not happy with it. You're harming yourself, but just go do what you need to do. And so God doesn't want us to do that. What he wants to do is to fill us with love. To fill us with a consuming love for him and for each other. For him, because if I have that consuming love for him, I'm not going to sin. Our problem when we're trying to live righteousness is, and, and I, I really, really dislike this, and it's part of our cultural upbringing. No, 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 Jesus will be unhappy with you. For heaven's sake. You know, it's, it's even myself, you know, when I'm, I'm in a church somewhere or, or with people, and I say, no, 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 don't do that. Satan will be upset. Don't bring me into this. I'm not going to be upset. I'm fine. You know, do whatever you want. Not my house. But when we talk about God in that way, we grow up with the same principle. We grow up with this principle, I don't want to do this because God will be upset with me. Because as a child, what happens when you think someone is upset with you? You think they reject you. You think they don't love you. You think they don't value you. You think they'll walk away from you. And you feel vulnerable. So actually, you end up not doing something out of a sense of vulnerability, out of a sense of fear. But when God wants to give us things, he gives them to us very differently. He says, I am that spring of life. I'm going to fill you. I'm not going to leave you wanting anything. I don't want you to come to me out of guilt. I want you to come to me because you're empty and nothing and no one can fill you like me. Nothing. We will often walk away thinking, I don't get this anymore. I don't feel this anymore. But if we leave ourselves just in God's presence for long enough, just soak, soak it in. Give yourself. Don't forget that with our lives, the more we spend time away from God, the more we build this protective shell. And often we build this protective shell to protect ourselves from others, but it ends up being something that protects us, or at least in our own minds, even from God. So I become non-absorbent of anything. So when I rush into church, or rush into this meeting, or rush into a Bible study, or rush into my room and pray, and I think, I don't feel it. It's because I need time to absorb. I've built this, this protective layer that actually is no longer actually protective, it just insulates me. Rather than being protective, it becomes like scar that becomes desensitized, where I don't feel anymore. But with time, 
if I sit in that environment with him. And that's why the longer I can spend with him, the better. I absorb. And even if I absorb only a small amount today, it'll be more tomorrow and more the day after and more the month after. But I need to keep absorbing. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to keep saying, you're dry, you're dry, you're dry. He wants to say, listen, you're dry. I'm the spring of life. I will give you everything you want. All you need to do is just sit and soak. You don't need to do anything at all. You know, you're just a sponge. A sponge does nothing but absorb. God wants us to do nothing but to sit in his presence and absorb his love and absorb his mercy and absorb his promises and absorb everything he gives us. Psalm 66.10 says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to write over our heads. We went through water, fire and water. But you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Okay, Lord, you allowed me to go through all of that. But it doesn't matter. Because just by being with you, you have brought me out of that into rich fulfillment. That's what he wants to give us. No matter what our journey is with God, if we have put ourselves in that position, or if God allows us to be in that position, we must be assured that the end result that God wants is for us to absorb Him, to be like Him. Because again, if we keep using the same metaphor, the more you absorb something, the more you take on its appearance. So if you have a sponge in a certain colored water, it absorbs it and it becomes that color. So if we're absorbing God, righteousness, goodness, purity, that's what we look like. And if you squeeze us, that's what comes out. When are we squeezed? We're squeezed in, in times of hardship. We're squeezed at times when we are challenged. We're squeezed. And we've all been through those squeezes. And what comes out is what we've absorbed. If I've absorbed the world and its muck and its language and its, and its resentfulness and its anger, once I'm squeezed, that's what comes out. Imagine yourself on a bad day, when you're in a bad mood, and someone decides to say something to you. What comes out? The badness. But if I've absorbed goodness, if I've absorbed that pure living water, and if I'm squeezed, like the saints, like the martyrs, like the confessors, like the apostles, like all those who have gone before us, when they were squeezed in affliction, squeezed in persecution, but when they were squeezed in their day-to-day -day Christian witness, as are people today in this world. You know, we're living here comfortably, sharing God's word comfortably in a church. There are people in this world today who can't do that. 
but they're squeezed. What comes out? What came out of the mouths of those 21 men butchered in Libya when they were squeezed? The Word of God, the name of God, the name of our Savior. What happened when they were put in that situation? They were defiant, they were strong, they were powerful, they were, they were victorious. So what does God want to give us? God wants to give us every good thing. God wants to give us power that only comes from Him. God does not want us to walk around guilty, but God does want us to reject sin out of commitment. He wants us to reject sin out of a sense that without that, without that rejection, sin will come back into our heart and come back into our lives and overtake us again. So in, learning, in living our lives, we have to realize this. We're going to be filled by something. Something. It's our choice. Am I filled by defilement? Am I filled by anger? Am I filled by sinfulness? Or am I filled by the righteousness and the water, the living water? So again, in conclusion, Psalm 119. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not, might not sin against you. If we hide the word of God in our hearts and we fill ourselves with him, then all that will come out of us is the goodness that we have kept, even in the most difficult of times. When we reject sin, choose righteousness. When we face affliction, goodness will come out. And when we live the love of God here, he will satisfy us beyond anything else that the world could possibly give us in this world. And glory be to God forever. Amen.